Hello, in this week's show, a bit earlier than usual, I know, monkeypox has been dominating the headlines, so we'll be getting the latest from the World Health Organization. Also, the link between despair and poor mental health couldn't be clearer in the occupied Palestinian territories, the UN Relief and Works Agency tells us, while in the world of work, the International Labour Organization reckons that we've lost well over 112 million full-time jobs globally since the COVID pandemic began. There's more positive news from the Food and Agriculture Organization that's been working with herder communities in Ethiopia, Kenya and beyond to offer a brighter future than cattle raiding. And Solange Behatege Cortez is also in the house for closing comments too. That's all coming up in this week's UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. First, the news. The health and well-being of many Palestinian refugees is at risk if greater funding is not found soon to offset higher costs caused by the global economic crisis, the UN Relief Agency for Palestinians, UNRWA, said on Tuesday. In Lebanon, where there are around 480,000 refugees registered with UNRWA, its medical director, Dr Akihiro Seta, said that the agency was the only solution for primary and life-saving hospital care for these displaced people. But medicines now cost more because of price inflation and hospital costs for those with mental health problems in Lebanon have risen from $90 per night before the current economic crisis to $200 per night now, Dr. Sater explained. Many Palestinian refugees, like Gaza in the mental health, they become sick simply because their life is tough. Their life is very difficult to survive. The UNRWA official said that in the next quarter, more than $72 million was needed for Gaza alone to provide the food assistance that people require. The monkeypox outbreak that's been confirmed by the UN Health Agency in 16 countries and several regions of the world can still be contained and the overall risk of transmission is low, it said on Tuesday. According to the UN Health Agency, this monkeypox outbreak has been transmitted primarily by close skin-to-skin contact among men who have sex with men. Although the virus can affect anyone, stressed Dr Rosamond Lewis, who heads WHO Emergencies Programme's Smallpox Secretariat. Dr Lewis told journalists in Geneva that smallpox vaccines could be used to provide protection against monkeypox as the two viruses are similar. The World Health Assembly, where we are today, has mandated in 1980, at the time that it was declared that smallpox was eradicated, WHO member states mandated WHO to maintain a vaccine stockpile. So this has been the case. However, it's important to realize that it's been 40 years and these stockpiles may need to be refreshed. They certainly need to be revisited. The recovery of the global jobs market is going into reverse. The UN Labour Agency, ILO, has said, blaming COVID and other multiple crises that have increased inequalities between and within countries. International Labour Organization Director General Guy Ryder said that there had been tentative signs of recovery in the final months of last year, with global employment returning to higher levels in industrialised nations. Today, however, rising food and fuel prices and financial turbulence have destabilised the job market, Mr Ryder explained. This nascent labour market recovery has now stalled or even gone into reverse. In sum, the recovery is in trouble. According to ILO, there are 112 million fewer full-time jobs today than there were before the pandemic. 
The headlines there now never say we don't take you anywhere because we're going travelling to the Greater Karamoja Cluster. It's at the crossroads of Ethiopia, Kenya, South Sudan and Uganda. In this vast desert region, competition over natural resources has led to cattle raids and violent conflicts. The UN Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO, has supported a series of community-led initiatives to strengthen pastoralists' livelihoods, enhance food security and prevent conflict, as we'll hear now. Adupalakut wanders through a field of tall grass. His cattle graze as he sings under an infinite blue sky. I have 30 cows, 40 goats and 4 camels. Here in the Greater Karamoja Cluster, livestock means everything. We herd cattle because they are our kitchen, where we feed, our bank account. We also use the cattle to marry our wives. That is the reason why we herd. Adupa lives in Erikithop, a small village in northeastern Uganda, comprised of a cluster of traditional thatch huts surrounded by shrubbery. The 28-year-old dons a checkered shawl, known locally as a nakutukok, as well as sandals and a large hoop earring, typically worn by men in the region. As the sun blazes down, Adupa ushers his livestock across the dry plains towards the nearest waterhole. It's far. We take more than an hour to get to the river. The Greater Karamoja Cluster lies at the crossroads of Ethiopia, Kenya, South Sudan and Uganda. This vast region is nearly the size of the United Kingdom. Its landscape varies from semi-arid desert to forested hills. Communities here migrate with the seasons in search of pastures, water and markets for their livestock. Crossing borders is simply a requisite for survival to seek out and share information on grazing routes, water sources and animal health. But in recent decades, competition over scarce natural resources has led to cattle raids and violent conflicts. With this insecurity, people are afraid. Like other former warriors in his tribe, scars on Adupa's arm proudly mark his scorecard of cattle raids and kills. Now, you can't even walk past that point without a fight. He says, pointing in the direction of Kobibi Dam. This ever-present threat of conflict and violence has divided pastoralist communities and restricted the movement of their livestock. And climate variability is only compounding the problem. It's bad. Livestock die when the sun is too much. It's not just the prolonged dry spells that lead to bad harvests and poor animal health. Erratic rainfall and flash flooding allow rivers to become vectors of animal disease transmission. When there's an outbreak of a disease, 
it can actually kill 70% of the livestock, even up to 90%. That's Dr. James Marissia, the county chief veterinary officer in West Pokot, Kenya. We can now close, closer. So we are ready to dispatch now to go to the vehicle. After carefully packing cool bags and medicines and loading them into the car, Dr. Mauricia drives along the dirt roads that separate Kenya and Uganda. The veterinarian is en route to an important meeting with a herd of goats. The vaccinations Dr. Mauricia is carrying out in Kenya today are part of a cross-border program being rolled out across the region. The animals are now healthy and they have good pasture. Our animals have been fetching very good prices because they are, in, they are healthy and they are in very good body conditions. Since the early 2000s, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, FAO, supported a series of community-led initiatives to strengthen pastoralist livelihoods, enhance food security and prevent conflict in the region. So that has really helped the pastoralists to, to at least their, to improve their income, then their income has come up. Now, pastoralists, veterinarians and livestock can once again move freely across borders. People now realise peace is very important. Yeah, that, and I, I don't think they will ever go back to the war because they have seen the essence of peace and we have always seen the importance of peace. Back over the border in Uganda, in Kobebe Morito district, women walk back and forth collecting water from a nearby pump. A group of elders sit talking in the shade. Local peace committees like this one were set up for communities to talk through their disputes. We had leaders among us from the different ethnic groups Facilitating this peace committee is FAO agro-pastoral officer Michael Adi. It was triggered uh, due to some conflict that had ensued between ethnic groups. There were some stolen animals. The discussion was to make a way forward. With support from FAO, Karamoja pastoralist communities have shown that they can share and co-manage natural resources and avoid conflicts before they erupt. The goal is to make sure that there is peaceful natural resource sharing because we need each other in order to continue living. So their aim is to make sure that there is coordination at all times. It's also created new opportunities for trade and opened up cross-border markets. Some have even learnt new ways to earn a living too. I grew up in a very poor family, herding our family livestock. Like a dupa, James Lomoge is a former cattle raider. When we lost all the livestock at the hands of cattle raiders, I became a raider with the intent of recovering our stolen livestock and to make a future for my family. He and his family live in Napao a small, flat, sandy village in Amudat district, Uganda. He received agricultural training from FAO and now has his very own farm. I became a farmer after I joined the agro-pastoral field schools intervention, supported by FAO. I learned skills in crop production and livestock rearing. 
With his new income, he's able to send his children to school and buy poultry, goats and cattle. Now I teach others the importance of farming so that they can stop cattle rustling. I'm enjoying the fruits of my labour. All this farm produce is from my farm. I have maize, beans, I have goats, cows, and now I lead a good life with farming. James's mother, Mary Chepchei, is in her 70s. She recalls the earlier days of bloodshed. There were always livestock raids and people being killed. It became worse when the guns arrived because then anyone could be shot at any time. But now life is much better. People are living in peace. You don't fear anything. Even at night, women can walk alone in the dark without fear. Many thanks to Charlotte Lomas and the rest of the team at FAO for that good news story from the Karamoja cluster and for getting so many herders' voices and testimonies on tape. Respect! Now, as ever, it's time to turn the mic over to regular guest Solange Bejetegui Cortez for her thoughts on this FAO initiative. Hi, Sol. Hola, Daniel. Gracias. That was very inspiring, an example of how we can change lives by building peace. I'm thinking in particular in one testimony, the one from James Lomogay, who said that when he lost all his livestock to cattle raiders, he became a raider himself to recover his animals and to make a future for his family. How wonderful that James' life changed when the UN Food and Agriculture Organization supported community-led initiatives to strengthen pastoralist work, enhance food security, and prevent conflict in the region. Again, without peace, we are nothing but chaos. James' testimony reminded me of Homer's Odyssey. When Odysseus returns home, slays Penelope's suitors, and begins to settle back into his domestic routine. He tells his wife that he will have to steal back his stolen sheep from the Ithacans who took them another cattle raider. In Odysseus' time, the UN Food and Agriculture Organization did not yet exist. But today, the UN agency and the men and women in Ethiopia, Kenya, South Sudan and Uganda are trying to help new warriors follow a more peaceful path to build prosperity without plundering anything. The challenge they have is to build a culture of peace by changing the whole heroic narratives. Modern Odysseus farmers and independent Penelopes to weave a new narrative that prevents conflict instead of sowing chaos. Thank you, Solange. Such a great story about how development assistance and working with communities can tackle violence and the pressures caused by scarce resources. That's all we have time for, I'm afraid, but we'll be back next week with details on the UN effort to help flood hit Bangladesh. Until then, let me say a huge thank you for listening to the show and following the work of the United Nations. Bye-bye for now.